What's going on, everybody? Year two, episode 20 of Pat's Interference. That's right, 2-0. Alabama knocks off LSU in Baton Rouge in a thrilling, classic Alabama-LSU matchup. We're going to break that game down to its bare bones. Plus, we're going to hop around the nation in the college football headlines. That's right, another one-episode week of Pat's Interference. But you'll get all the headlines you'd ever need. This is Pat's Interference. Let's get ready to go. Interference. Alabama stays undefeated with a uh, very fun game, a very fun win during our most uh, favorite week of the season over LSU, ten to nothing. I'm Patrick Brickman. He is Patrick Norwood, and uh, buddy, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. That was that was like I said in the intro. That's that's vintage Alabama LSU. That's exactly what I want. Uh, yeah, we got away from that for a couple years. And in a football game, that's that's perfect football. I, I actually called my dad a couple days after the game, and I, I told, I said, "Thank you for raising me to be a college football fan that appreciates low-scoring games like that." I feel like that's such a lost art. You know, I told you at the beginning of the season, I'm almost weary of college football because games now are ending, you know, 42-35, 37-35, you know, 58-50. I'm, I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. Now it's just, it's so nice to see a good, hard-nosed defensive matchup where touchdowns are a privilege. Getting in the end zone is something earned. You work all night for it, and you finally get in the end zone. You finally get there. I myself. You know? That, was, that, that is beautiful. That was perfect what you just said. And you're right. You're right. I mean, the, and the way you just said it, we'll get into the game in a minute, but the touchdowns are earned. And, uh, yeah, we have, you know, nothing-nothing in the third quarter. Not necessarily because our offense is doing terrible. I mean, it wasn't amazing, but it's, it's more – it's less of a uh, – a doom on your offense as it was a credit to both defenses out even LSU's defense out there it was I was awestruck it was it was the best defensive game I have seen since nine to six and I'm being completely honest when I say that I agree. there has not been a, defi- a defensive struggle of that magnitude since then yeah I agree I agree so great game you want to dive right into it well let's let's do it let's uh so we're gonna go uh, we're going to break this down sort of by key players, and then uh, if you've looked at the Defensive Player of the Week, they named it to the entire <laughs> Alabama defensive roster, so we'll sort of use that as one player and get into some more overarching questions. But Patrick, first, let's talk about the youngest guy on the staff. Good old rookie coming in, true freshman Jalen Hurts. Seemed a little rattled at first through that first quarter. It's that freshman jitters being in Baton Rouge at night for the first time. You think sort of the cameras and the pressure are finally starting to get to him, or do you think that's just Jalen Hurts being Jalen Hurts? I think that it was. Um, I don't, you're going to hear me say this a lot, and it's not a cop out. I truly believe this. I think it was um, a, an, an amazing game plan from LSU coming in. They took away what Alabama has done all season, and, and the announcers uh, Vernon Gary kept saying it during the game, taking away the corners, yes. taking away the corners. No and, outside and Jalen runs. Hurts has lived off of either getting Damian Harris to the corner or taking the corner himself. Um, passing, you know, sure, it still leaves some to be desired. I was honestly a little bit more concerned with the passing game after the A&M game. This actually uh, didn't help or hurt his cause in my mind with that, but he was playing um, the best secondary he's probably going to face all season right. as we play and Florida later. the one deep ball he threw, he connected on a beautiful pass. It was lovely. It was, that was his best deep ball he's thrown since his first touchdown of the season. Agreed. Agreed. I, I think it was a great pass. I thought it was a great pass. Something very positive. Something that I hope uh, we can k- sort of carry on and build on from here on out for his momentum's sake. The early interception was was uh, kind of ugly. Trouble. It was. It was. It was ugly. And his fumble. He. It was a result of him just holding on to the ball too long. Right. A, a theme that we've seemed uh, to see all season. No touchdowns. Two turnovers, like you mentioned. Like I said, is there any reason for concern there? Uh, no. With 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 what our offense has been able to, he hasn't been making the. To me, I mean, there's always a obviously a, a turnover is a cause for concern, but they're not happening because of complete lapses of judgment most of the time. Um, and they're not happening in situations where I mean, he's he's not. 
forcing the ball. He's not making bad decisions. Right. His his inter- his interception was a mechanics problem, uh, just to overthrow, which is going to be solved, and he's not going to do that every time. And the fumble, he was honestly just trying to extend a play, and he right. bumped into somebody. Right. Now, well, he and was, he wasn't watching his not, blind If he wasn't looking well. off safeties and throwing balls straight to safeties, like uh, Jay Coker did at times last year, back when we were concerned about him, it'd be different. Right. Right. And I, I think – I don't think he did a very good job of sort of I, – I don't think Jalen Hurts has great pocket recognition yet. I'm not sure he's fully aware when his pocket is collapsing. Um, yes, he's good at escaping it, but he's not always aware. And, yeah, I, I, I follow you there. I think you're right. But 20 carries for 114 yards, one touchdown, the only one of the game. Patrick, obviously there is the touchdown run on third down. The other run that everybody's talking about is the third and 16 when it seemed like Alabama was just trying to prepare to get into field goal range uh, and get a good shot for uh, the Polish wonder himself, Adam Griffith. And then all of a sudden Jalen Hurts turns it into a first down. In your opinion, which of those two rushes is a bigger play? Well, the touchdown, obviously, just because it broke a scoreless game. But I don't want to take away what that third down rush meant. We ended up getting we ended up getting the field goal on the drive because of a uh, phantom off false start call. But um, it that got us a first down. The next turn of uh, the next round of downs took us to another third down conversion, and then another third down conversion. Right. And we were able to knock off another what three four minutes off the clock late in a, late. See, in the and that's quarter. why that's why I think that, in my opinion, that play is more important. Um, the entire game, I mean, Leonard Fournette is such a threat, and, and we're going to talk about him in a minute. I, I don't want to diminish anything that he's done this season or in his career. I mean, you go and you watch his games; he is a punisher. And at any point in that game the other night, you remember last year when Alabama played Georgia. And they were so – we were both so excited because we had held Nick Chubb under 100 yards for the yeah, entire I mean, game. Was, and then he, he had like 60. And then he broke off that ridiculous like what, 60, 70-something yard run. He was – I think it touched about 80. And I was I was worried that was going to happen in this game. And the less yes. opportunities we gave – Alabama gave LSU to make those sort of plays, the better. And I think Jalen Hurts was a huge part of that in that run that he had. That's what you do when you're a good football player. That's what clutch players do. They extend a play, and then they give their team more opportunities. I mean, you you go back and you watch that play. I'm not going to say it's all him. That play is mostly him. You know, that's that's great field recognition. That's great uh, awareness to sort of follow your blockers, get upfield, and get the first down, and not try to do anything too fancy so you fumble. Cough. Yeah, and a lot of players would have thought, TJ okay, Yeldon, cough. <laughs> a lot of players just would have wanted to, you know, okay, coach told me to get to the center of the field. Right. Coach showed me to do this. We're just trying to get a field goal. Could we want to get more points? Um, and he recognized the extra opportunity he had, and he kept moving. And that was good. And then he did it again on a third and six-ish around that third and eight. Right. I he believe, did it again. Yeah, I believe Same, it was Two times on the same drive, he took a plus five-yard run on third down. And, you know, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. Alabama controlled the ball, I think, a little over two-thirds of that fourth quarter. Um, and that's that's something that's unheard of against an LSU defense like the one that was playing, not only playing well, playing out of their minds on Saturday night, Patrick. That LSU defense Both. is ju- was just playing head and shoulders above everyone else in the SEC that I've seen so far this year. They, there was a lot of pride on the line for both teams in that game, and that's that. That is that is what a rivalry game is. Ellis, I mean, I, I know Ward's are on. They're playing for him. They love him, and they know him. Winning that game essentially wins him the job. Uh, I'm sure Coach O was telling the team, hey, we haven't beaten this team in the last five tries. We don't want to make it six. You could tell just when the records are thrown out the window. And this was a game where the records, the hype coming in, all that was thrown out the window at kickoff. Right. That's that's why I love the LSU game. That's so, why I love it. And Auburn does that to us a couple years too, and then they don't. But the LSU-Alabama game always seems to have a little bit more of that. Sidebar right quick. Did Coach O win the job the other night? A lot of people were saying had he won the Alabama game, there is no doubt he was a for sure lock as the LSU head coach. What about now? I don't think he hurt his chances. He might have nudged them in the right direction. I'm not willing to go. I still feel like LSU at the end of the season will look at the field and rehire less miles. 
I, I, I do think Coach O remains at LSU on a short, maybe two-year contract, something like that. But I do think that LSU will flirt with Herman, Jimbo Fisher, Chip Kelly. Um, Lane, yeah, Lane Chip, Kiffin. Chip Kelly. Um, off, I still think they keep Coach O over Lane Kiffin. Really? I do. I see. I don't because I believe that LSU needs an offensive-minded guy like Lane Kiffin. I, I'm with you. I mean, you look. Just, you look at all the great LSU teams of the past. What's one word that embodies them? It's chaos. It's chaos. That's what I love about that team, and that's why I respect that team so much. Is that every year be, when we play them, whether it's defense or offense, Leonard Fournette. Jordan Jefferson, Jarrett Lee, Odell Beckham Jr., Tyran Matthew. You look at all those players, what word embodies them? It's just chaotic. It's just a mass hysteria. I mean, it's it's they, they play with such a reckless abandon, and I feel like they need an offense that embodies that. And running out of the I-form or a single tailback set, even though you know how much I love those offenses, uh, when you run it over and over and over again, I don't feel like that embodies Louisiana State University, and I feel like they need somebody like Lane Kiffin who can bring that chaos back, that reckless abandon I, back. I, I this is the way I, I I feel about Lane Kiffin and the uh, prospect of LSU at this point. And I feel like a lot of people in LSU, with Orgeron being an LSU native, and he hasn't the I formation. We don't know that that'll be his offense, and an AD might tell him that can't be your offense. Right, but. I feel like it would be, for an AD, a career suicide to take the local guy that everyone loves right now, that is breathing life into the program, and passing on him for somebody with the kind of baggage that Kiffin has, and Kiffin be a failure. Okay. If you kick Orgeron out of town right. and have Kiffin be a failure, your, your head's going to be on the chopping block, you'll be out of town. Now, if you do that for a Tom Herman, the sexiest coach out there right now... Is he? And he ends up being a failure. Is he? It's trending down, but just a hair. You think it's trending down a hair? Patrick Houston has looked awful the past few weeks. I still think a team's going to throw him a boatload of money. I think a team will. I don't think Louisiana State will do that. I think I think they're going to flirt with Chip Kelly. I think that, and that's that's much better than Tom Herman in my opinion. Right now, because they're going to look at what Alabama they're going to look at what Alabama did. Alabama. We're, we're, we're tired. Alabama was tired of getting thrown around in the SEC, sure. being the rag doll of. And LSU's not the rag doll of the SEC, but Alabama was tired of being second fiddle to the top, to the Floridas and to um, Tennessee's uh, LSU. The teams were they were top at the top at the time, and they looked at the situation and they said, "All right, we're going to fix this. We're going to just throw an obscene amount of money to a guy that is now coached in the NFL, right, and has experience in both leagues." Knows talent up and down, and I would, you know, I think they're going to do the same. They're going to look at Chip Kelly. Yeah, I Chip Kelly not didn't win a national championship, but he he was on that cusp when he left. The same way Nick Saban had just won a national championship. When you I'm not saying this, when you as good a coaches, but when you bring up Ed Orgeron, let me ask you something. Let me just just close your eyes right quick. Do you picture the following words? Which which following words do you picture more lightly? College football playoff champion Lane Kiffin or Chip Kelly or Tom Herman or college football playoff champion Ed Orgeron? Do you want me to rank them? Because I, I would go Chip Kelly. Ooh. You're not going Orgeron then Kiffin, Brick. Come on, man. You're not doing it. You can't. I don't know that. I don't know that Kiffin has the DNA to lead a team like LSU to a national championship. What, they're a perfect fit. Are you kidding me? He was a perfect fit for USC, and it turned oh, out horribly. He was not a perfect fit for USC because it didn't work out the first time he was there. Why would it work out again? He needs a change of scenery, and he needs people that are going to give him a little slack on the leash. And you and I both know USC didn't do that for him. There was no I'm not, slack when he came back. I don't know that back. Kiffin has the makeup to be to be to be what LSU wants him to be. Look, I'm just, I don't know that he's got that. Makeup. I'm just saying LSU is desperately looking for an offensive-minded coach. He's the best one you're going to get right now. 
It's an interesting discussion. We can discuss it more in the offseason. We can discuss it more after we discuss the fantastic defensive effort for Alabama. Uh, kind of an overarching discussion. Let me read you some statistics from a man named Leonard Fournette. In his career against Alabama from 2014, 2015, and 2016, he had 57 carries for 145 yards and one touchdown. Now, that first year, he blew off a beautiful 50-something yard run. Okay? So let's go ahead. Against, albeit, a nowhere near what they are now defense exactly. three years ago. Exactly. However, you know how deeply I hold that LSU game from 2014 in my heart. I loved that game. That was a fantastic run by a great football player. You look at the past two years, 36 carries for 66 yards and one touchdown. That's 1.8 yards per game on average. There's no doubt in pretty much anyone's mind that he is a top three running back for the NFL draft this upcoming season. So that brings me to ask you, and this may be a little bit of an overreaction. You can tell me if it is. Where does this defense rank in Saban's defenses at Alabama? This year's? This year's defense. I think that it's, it is it is trending toward, and, and this is, again, we got to see how the final results end up once they play the teams at the end of the year. It's trending toward being the best. I, I agree. Right now, I'm putting... I mean, 2000... we just lost our captain, and then they went out and play, had a defensive poor... A player of the national... Walter Camp National Player of the Week performance without their defensive captain. And they pitched a shutout. Pitched a shutout at night in LSU, not to mention, yeah, it snapped the streak of scores, but we're the defense has outscored several anemic offenses right this year. Yes. You know? And I, I just so right now to rank I mean, I think there's three that you look at. I think you look at this year, two thousand eleven and two thousand nine. I don't know if we'll ever see another defense that I can compare to 2011. Uh, you you go back to those LSU games, that 9-6 game, the 21 nothing game in the national championship. You watch the replays of those games. Those That defense was just stacked. Multiple injuries, and you couldn't tell that they lost a step. So right now I've got them at the clear-cut number one. 2009... I've probably got at 2B, and then this year I've got at 2A. This year has a big chance to jump 2011 if they can keep I up the again, level of play. If, I think we need to see a national championship, but that's a, or at least a, that's a close. Yes, that's a big jump in a level of play. Huge. Um, I, I think that, or not a big jump, but a big. It's it's tough to keep it this consistent. Especially going through the you know the SEC championship game, then you get a couple weeks off, then it's the college football playoff, uh, first round, and then a week later you play the national championship game. I think Alabama, if if this defense can prove uh, to sort of go through that ringer, I don't know how you don't put them at number one, unless they just give up a hundred plus points between the two games in the college football playoff. Even if they win the national championship. If you give up more than 100, 100 points in the college football playoff, I don't know how you can put them at number one. What this, what, what the 2011 defense did was just form a wall. You know, and that's a, that's a simplified, a very simplified explanation. But they were, you were, you were not moving the ball on us. No, you were not moving. Um, what this one is doing is very similar. But it's making teams go backward more often, and they're getting the other team's end zone. We, this one gives a, a, a tiny bit more. It causes um, it causes way more turnovers as well. Yeah, causing the turnovers and the sacks. 2011 didn't lead the nation in sacks. We're getting ready to do that two years in a row now. Second year in a row, we might lead the nation in sacks. That's that's wildly impressive. Right. Um, they we just you know the the the. I can't I can't say the rushing defense in 2011 was was essentially better. I don't know that it was. Um, the, two, the 2011 team didn't have a game like we did it this year against Ole Miss with all, with so many with as many defensive lapses as we did. But that was one game. Yeah, it's an interesting discussion that we'll be able to kind of have maybe weekly till the end of the season. Uh, one thing that we sort of skipped over, I don't, I don't want to spend too much time on it. Sort of bouncing back towards the offensive side of the ball, receiving core was seemingly non-existent the other night. Our Darius Stewart 
leading receivers with three receptions for 55 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, sort of the question going around right now is where is Calvin Ridley? And Patrick, were we correct? You and I sort of predicted it at the beginning of the season and thinking that he was going to have a season uh, reminiscent sort of a la to Omari Cooper, his sophomore season. Cooper's was more based on injury. Um, he had some some drops, but a lot of the reason he didn't see the field as often and wasn't making the impact was he had he had a foot injury. Uh, Ridley's been healthy. I, I, I am go- I'm growing concerned that he doesn't have. And again, we'll have to see what happens when he doesn't play an LSU defense because the touchdowns are there, the yards aren't for Ridley this season. Right. Um, we'll see how he does against Mississippi State, but I am starting to grow concerned that he doesn't have the rapport with Hurts. That, that I wanted to see. I mean, Stewart has the rapport with Hurts. He didn't have an amazing game against LSU, but nobody on that offense did. I think Stewart's is more of an experience thing than it is a talent, or maybe maybe they do have a little bit better, better of a rhythm, but I think that once you get to be that sort of level of college football player like Ardarius Stewart is, you can sort of get along with any quarterback, and I think that's something that Calvin Ridley's still learning. I don't know. I hope to see him come on strong soon. This is about where he really kicked it up a notch last year. Right. Um, he probably had a good game against Georgia, and then he would take he didn't take off games. I'm not suggesting that, but he'd have a few uh, quieter games, and then probably the last five five games of the season is when he exploded. Right. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see if he turns it on, and if the offense starts to. I mean, <laughs> we're talking about this. And yet the second we hit the first quarter on Saturdays, you and I start going, why are we throwing the ball? Right. It's kind of funny. <laughs> it is. It is. We're hypocrites. We've just yeah. eclipsed the 22-minute mark. So if we double this, we're going 44 minutes. You and I have had a goal always to keep Pat's interference at 45 minutes. So we're going to wrap up this discussion on the LSU game. I'm going to spend one minute talking about my final thoughts. Then I'm handing it over to you to think about your final thoughts. I've already mentioned the amount of uh, the time of possession that Alabama dominated during the fourth quarter, I will always say that that is the most vital part to winning a football game, especially a close football game, especially a close football game on the road. However, the other aspect of this game that I'm really looking at is the first down statistics. Alabama converted 16 first downs to LSU 6, 7 for 17 on third down, which doesn't sound like a lot till you realize the type of defense that they were playing and the venue they were playing in. I think that speaks more to Hurts and the offense than some of the more prominent statistics do, like rushing yards, touchdowns, that sort of thing. Another final thought that I have has to do with Bo Scarborough. Bo Scarborough played a whale of a game on Saturday. Statistics won't show it. But in my opinion, if you watch the three running backs that Alabama played on Saturday, Bo Scarborough was the most impressive and the most uh, sort of prepared to handle the tough and brutal defense that is LSU. It reminded me of 2009 Mark Ingram. It reminded me of 2011 Trent Richardson in the national championship game and the game of the century. It reminded me of both of those games. Patrick, what are your final thoughts from the LSU-Alabama game? An instant classic in the rivalry, if you ask me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feed a little bit first off your Scarborough. I'm going to go Dark Knight on you. <laughs> Scarborough was uh, the running back we needed on Saturday. Maybe not the one we deserved. But the one we needed. Well put. Um, and then, really, my final thought is: listen, a lot of people are upset that we only scored ten. Get over it. But this is a rivalry game at night in Death Valley. Any time they pull out a win there, it is a big deal. This could have been a three to two <laughs> Auburn Mississippi State score victory, and I would have been fine. Honestly, it could have been. A five to three, any whatever you can come up with, whatever score you can dream. If you come out of there with the win, you can't complain. Right. Well, and that's all I got. Here's my argument towards that too. When you're ranked number one in the college football playoff and you're playing another program on the road that is as talented as LSU is, it's sort of the rule of when you're camping with your buddy and a bear walks up. You know this rule? Uh, no, enlighten me. You don't have to be faster than the bear. You just got to be faster than your buddy. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, and it's true. When you're in the cut, and I would never do that to you because you're my best no, friend in the whole the, world. I would fight I would, the bear with you. You and I would turn around and just turn into Mike Tyson and fight the bear. But in all seriousness, when you're in the college football playoff, you're playing someone like LSU at LSU at night when they're on their A game. 
You don't have to be better than Clemson. You don't have to be better than Michigan. You sure as hell don't have to be better than Washington. You just got to be better than LSU. And Alabama was. And now they've got two games left standing between them and another conference championship appearance and possibly another college football playoff appearance. Something impressive. Something very, very impressive. Let's move on to our national recap. Uh, Purdue. God bless it, Purdue. They had it, man. They had it, man. They had they had the Gophers against the ropes, Brick. But you know what? That's the beauty of college football. You live to see another week. Les Miles is right around the corner. Boilermakers coming back next season. They're going to be a big one. Let's get into the more serious issues. Texas A&M losing to the Bulldogs. No, not the Georgia Bulldogs. No, not the Bulldogs of Fresno State. The good old Bulldogs that call their doghouse Starkville. And how did I not see it coming? 35-28. 35-28. You know, Brick, every single time I think Alabama's about to get a break in their schedule, you and I talked about the gauntlet of Arkansas, <laughs> Tennessee, Texas A&M. And while we're going through that, it's like LSU learns, like, oh, we can actually play football again. Yeah. And then I'm well, like... Okay, we have to fear them now. Then, you know, before last Saturday, I'm thinking, all right, just get through the LSU game. Then you've got Mississippi State, and you'll be fine. Auburn's already looking kind of terrible against Vanderbilt. Just get through Mississippi State. That's a cupcake game. Then face Auburn. The Iron Bowl's always a huge game, but Auburn's looking a little down right now. Looking pretty good for us. Mississippi State comes out, knocks out Trevor Knight, and wins the dang football game. Hey, you know what I just realized? We didn't actually slot a... We do this every week, and we didn't slot a Mississippi State preview. We gotta get that in our score predictions in. Yeah, you're right. Well, let's let's take now to do that, and then we'll then we'll talk about Tamu. We'll make we'll make the preview quick, but we do have a weird eleven o'clock kickoff. It's the first time in forever an SEC game at Bryant Denny's been eleven o'clock uh, kickoff or twelve, depending on what time zone you're in. Um, against Mississippi State, who is like we just said, coming off a big win against Texas A&M. Huge win. Nick Fitzgerald the fr- joins Cam Newton. Uh, and Johnny Manziel is the only SEC quarterbacks ever to rush for two hundred. That's gonna be that's that's gonna be some weird sort of bullshit trivia at some bar some night. Half like trivia question in about four years. God, it's gonna be annoying. What's his name? Nick Fitzgerald. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is funny. This is a quick story. I had a uh, a viewer uh, emailed me at the station and complained to me sure. that I'm not doing enough on the Mississippi State Bulldogs because Nick Fitzgerald's grandparents used to live here in Panama City. Well, that was the local tie-in that I'm ignoring. Well, yeah, you gra- idiot. Not, not they used to live there, Brick, you moron. <laughs> not, not himself. He didn't go here. His parents didn't live here. His grandparents used to live here. Right. And that is why I – and I'm not spending – Enough time giving the Mississippi State Bulldogs love. And I have to juggle Alabama, uh, Auburn, um, uh, FSU, and Florida, and sometimes Miami. I have to juggle those five schools every week. But we got to throw in Mississippi State because the grandparents used to live here. Sure. Well, I mean, it's anyway. it's like I do at High Point. You know, it's, it's High Point University basketball is coming up. My grandparents are from Montgomery, Alabama. My mom went to Jefferson Davis High School in Alabama. And we have Cliff Clifton Clifton Cliff Thomas, a freshman, coming into High Point basketball. Guess where he went to school, Brick? Right there. Jefferson Davis High School, same as good old Shannon Norwood. And yet I haven't done a single feature story yet. So you know what? You and I are dropping the ball. We really are. I can't believe it. We gotta step it up before we get fired. We really, really do. TCU and Baylor. Hate both of them. Don't want to talk about this game. Brick, take it from Wait, here. Score prediction. Score prediction. Mississippi State, Alabama. Oh, God. Dude. 31-7. <laughs> I like it. Um, Quasi-Panama City native Nick Fitzgerald is going to come in. He's going to have exactly, like you just said, one touchdown against the Alabama yeah. defense. Yeah. And I'm going to give Alabama a – I think we get back big into the scoring column this week. Um I'm giving us a 45. I'm going 45 to uh, – I'll go 45-7. Okay. I like it. I like it. I, I'm more inclined to give them 14 just because of some bull crap somewhere in their Mississippi State, and it's the week after the LSU game. Nope. 45-6 for blocking the extra point. That's how specific I'll get. Love it. Love it. <laughs> TCU and Baylor are playing. I don't care. Go ahead and talk about this game. Or they have played, excuse me. I, I, 
I gave it to you because you hated Baylor, so I'm like, we don't have to spend any time. I, I, I hate both of them. Honestly, I'm so sick of these. Both of them were so petty about the first college football playoff. Wasn't it TCU that hired a PR firm, or was it Baylor? That was Baylor. That, to try and represent the Baylor Bears to get in the college football play? No. Yeah, and no. Seth Russell to win a Heisman. God, you're miserable. You're miserable. That's, I don't 60, hate TCU because my aunt went. 62-22 to 22 should not be a final score of a Big 12 football game, and then you turn around and tell me about the tough Texas football. Texas football is so tough. It embodies tough, hard-nosed football. Oh, really? Because hey, you just gave up 84 points, combined between two points in a game. That's ridiculous. 84 points combined between two teams. You want to know something more ridiculous? A Big Ten matchup, Ohio State-Nebraska, Ohio State wins by 59 points. Quickly, very classy by Ohio State, the response they showed to Tommy Armstrong's injury. Yes. It was awesome. Yes, uh, which I thought was a lot worse than apparently it was. Ohio State, that was awesome. Uh, That looked really, really bad. And uh, about an hour later, I flipped over to the game, and he's running around on the sideline in street clothes. So... You never know. Also, the Ohio State band had maybe their best ever performance at halftime. And you know how Ohio State's band is famous for their halftime performances? Mm. Look it up. It was awesome. But um, remember last week when I was being an idiot, and I do this uh, pretty bi-weekly, and I was asking, hey, this is the, I, this, I, here, I'm just going to put in the clip, all right? Have a little pause. And this is where we're going to put in the clip of me last week. All right, the clip is going to play. Play it now. Hey, Patrick Norwood, should we back off the Ohio State Buckeyes? Remember when I said that? I do. The, the clip just ended there. That was my actual voice. It was, I mean, it's not as bad as some of the crap that I've said this year. 62-3 against a one-loss team. That's unbelievable. It really is. I mean, it, it's, 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 it's impressive. I'm sorry, that's impressive. I still think Ohio State's in the playoff. But they got to be Michigan. It's going, man. That's going to be a hell of a game. That's going to be a great game. That's going to be a great game. And the way Michigan looked against Michigan State, that game's looking better and better. That game's looking better and better because that Michigan State game. I mean, that's a rivalry game that I know. I I think in my heart, Michigan fans don't even hold a candle uh, from Michigan State to Ohio State for their rivalries. And I, that team did not look like they wanted to sort of win that rivalry game. Um, not that they didn't want to win it. They just didn't have the, the gusto, the gusto that I wanted to see them win the Michigan State game with to really convince me that they were just going to thwomp Ohio State. Now Ohio State goes out and does this to Nebraska. Now, a very overrated Nebraska team, in my opinion. You're right. I've never been a fan. Who's their coach now? Is Riley? Are they Riley yes, now? right. Never been a humongous Riley fan. However... I like him as a guy. Swamped he's a great, him. He's, Ohio he's a State coach, just but. just thumps Nebraska. Now that game between Ohio State and Michigan is a toss-up. If I'm in Vegas and I'm an odds maker, it's a it's a straight pick. I I, I don't know how Three you pick a favorite up, in that game. I don't know anyone who's willing to bet on that game. I know a couple of Michigan fans. I'm sure you do too. Um, you want to move to next week's preview? I do. I do. Next week's preview. Uh, well, you go ahead. You go ahead and take this. I'm going to introduce the game of the year, but I wanted you to talk about it because you 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 were and we've backed off. But at one well, point, here we go. Let me let me tell the story. Let me tell the story. Game. So I was listening to a, a great a great blog uh, from SB Nation, uh, our good friends at SB Nation. Uh, Every day should be Saturday is a part of it. Um, Celebrity Hot Tub on Twitter is also a part of it. Uh, those guys were talking about. They're both Florida graduates. They were both talking about how it would be the most Florida Gators thing in the world to win out, play must champ, and lose with a final score of 10 to 9, in which which they score a touchdown, get the extra point blocked, and then score a field goal, and let South Carolina score 10 points in the fourth quarter and lose. And for some reason when I heard that, I had to pause the podcast because I was almost in tears I was laughing so hard. Because it does sound like the most Florida Gators thing to do. The past few Wait. years, ever, to lose to now Will Muschamp 10-9. Uh, it feels realistic this week. Huge game for Will Muschamp, coming back to the Swamp, homecoming for the Gators. Uh, it, well, I'm not sure if it's homecoming. Maybe senior day uh, for the Gators. And a lot of those seniors 
as you know, Will Muschamp recruited. Huge day for him coming back. Uh, I've got to go predi- score prediction. I've got to go 10-9 USC. USC Jr. But let me explain. This is why USC just they, they beat Tennessee, which is an impressive win for Muschamp. Florida just looked like garbage against uh, Arkansas, a game that I called, and their offense looked horrible. Luke Del Rio now injured. They're turning back to the Purdue uh, quarterback, Austin Appleby, and Felipe Franks as the backup, a true freshman. They put him in. It's over because Felipe Franks, I can tell you he's from this area. I hate to dog a kid, but he is not ready for SEC football. I know because I know people that have watched him, and they said they have no idea why he was a four-star, no idea why Florida wanted him at quarterback, and now he's their backup, and they'll probably turn to him the moment the offense starts doing that. Dude, your 10-9 score looks realistic, because don't forget Florida's defense is pretty good, even though they are missing CC Jefferson and a lot of starters this week. Uh, I, I just want to point out that these are – uh, this is the second SEC team this year to be using an ex-Purdue quarterback. I want to say that it is very generous. I want Appleby to come I out and want to say them. that it is very generous of Purdue to hand over two five-star quarterbacks like these two gentlemen that are now playing in the SEC. You realize we might have the Purdue cast-off bowl in two weeks. I'm so excited. You realize that that might happen. We will send... We're gonna we're gonna blow that game out of proportion if that's the way it looks like it's gonna happen. I will I will paint my face black and gold. I'll do it. Game day better be there. I, game day better sure. be there. It's it's a it's a smack in the face if they're not. Auburn and Georgia. Trap game for Auburn, you think? Trouble at the think, plains? I do think that this is a trap game. I'm not predicting a loss yet because Georgia has looked honestly that bad. But Auburn hasn't looked great, I think my friend. Auburn, is a team. Auburn could have lost to the Vanderbilt that they have, uh, Commodores. Brick men, they almost lost to Vanderbilt. And they've in that lot they have looked past possibly the next two weeks toward the Iron Bowl. I feel like that's something that they could possibly be doing. I yeah. I, I feel like Nick Chubb could really have his way with this Auburn rush defense. Oh, but they've got no line, man. They've got no line. No line. But I just got to like, I just like got to complain feeling. about their offensive line and, and we used to at times this year. Teams complain every team at some point came to, complains about their o- offensive line. No teams uh, complaints are more founded and deserving than Georgia fans. It has been if you can't get Nick Chubb 60 yards, there's something wrong with your line. Right. Right. I just something about this game. It's being played between the hedges. I just like the way it looks for Georgia right now. I, 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 I was so unimpressed with Auburn the other day watching the Vanderbilt game. I, I can't tell you. They had Vanderbilt at home. Well, there's a, you realize there's a big monkey on that Auburn back there because prior to that game, Vandy had the all-time winning record over Auburn. They, had, they were up 4-3 on the all-time record playing each other. That's... Auburn needed to put an end to that. There was a lot in that game. I'm just kidding. I mean, that's a true stat, but... No, you're right. No, Auburn didn't look, and that's what they do. That's what they do. They come down to earth. You know, the moment we start to think they're good and they're going to win this game 45-6, that's when they do this. And I, I, I think we could see a supreme chub, a nice, healthy, active chub. I think in this game. I think you're going to see a chub that's just it's it's just ready to run. A motivated chub. A very motivated chub. A very motivated chub. You you've got another you've got another trap game here, and I I I'm just you'll roll your eyes, but I, I'm not rolling got, my I've eyes, got, it's Patrick. I, I'm not rolling my eyes. My eyes are so far in the back of my freaking head because I can't believe you're calling this a trap game, my friend. It could be. What are you doing? It could be. If you haven't been paying attention, USC's played good football. Oh, really? Against all these great teams that USC's been playing? Please tell me more. I mean, it's not like Washington's playing great teams. I don't know what we have in either team, other than the fact that we destroyed. Yeah, USC. Washington's not playing great teams, but they've actually like absolutely trounced everyone they've played. All I'm saying, and this is the only reason I put it down, this is a Pac-12. This isn't a Washington thing, and I'm not predicting. I actually, I, I'm not even sure that this is going to happen, but I, I, I just wanted to throw the possibility out there because this is a Pac-12 thing in my mind. This is a bias I have in my heart. Has nothing to do with Washington or Chris Peterson or anybody on that team. This is a bias I've got. 
the last few years in my mind, in November, the last it's like the the Pac-12 seems to get this god-level team that is just winning every game and becomes the darlings, and then they drop a game like this. Game day takes a look at it, and then it's gone. And last year, it was Utah. The year before that, Marcus Mariota and the Oregon Ducks dropped a game to Arizona. See, I think I think if that game were going to happen for Washington, it would have already happened Saturday, October 29th at Utah, where they won 31-24. Oh, that's a good point. That could have happened then, and I forgot about that game. I just think the possibility is there. I'm not predicting it because I don't want to look like a complete idiot and go, Washington's going to lose. Like, I'm not that guy. I just throw the possibility out there and go, hey, keep an eye on it. I'm just saying they played Cal last week, won 66-27, and that's that's a very generous score. <laughs> hey, Sonny Dykes, man. It's, it's Sonny Dykes, but I, I just I, – I seriously don't see this USC team competing. The line is eight, eight and a half. I think I would go. I would still think I would bet the over, even though I'm calling this a trap game. It is at Washington, but I what I'm. I guess my point is, if it happens, it'll be the it'll be the situation where I look look up. I go, huh? Typical. Yeah, it's about. What can you expect? About part that, of the this course. is me going typical Washington. This is me going typical Pac-12. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's all I'm trying to say. No, I get it. I get it. I just I I don't. And it's I could see that I, I could see that happening. I don't I, I don't see that happening against USC. It takes a ooh. I don't know. Can we please get into the last and uh, by far most important topic tonight? Absolutely. May I? Please do it. Boilermakers, we need to talk. Win loss. Win loss. Win. Loss, 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 loss. Four straight losses. You're sitting at a three and six record. You, 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 you've got three games to go. Look, if you win out, there's no way they're keeping you out of a bowl game. Not just because you got six wins, which should automatically qualify you, but as we've seen the past couple of years, you don't always get in with six wins. Sometimes you get in with five. But Saturday, November nineteenth, you get Wisconsin at home. Tomorrow, or yeah, tomorrow, you get Northwestern at home. It's a noon kickoff, heat of the day up in Purdue. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. You're three wins away from a bowl, and I'm three wins away from buying a plane ticket and going to whatever bowl you're at. It is. I will admit, it's looking a little bit less likely that Purdue will be in the playoff. I've seen crazier things happen, man. The Cubs just won the World Series. Yeah, that's a, that, that is a, that is a good week to say that sentence. Sound off time. Yes, I've got a happy sound off for once. Go for it. Today was a um, humong- momentous day in the Alabama hoops. History. This is this is. Is it is it negative when you say it's a red letter day, or can that be positive? I believe that can be positive. It's our podcast. We want to make it positive. It's positive. It's a crimson letter day. It's a crimson letter day. I mean, today was all of the long hours, the hard work that Avery Johnson has put on the recruiting trail since he's been to Alabama, and I love Avery Johnson just a hair less. Then I have a crush on Nick Saban. I love him. You know I'm a Spurs fan. He won a title, maybe two, but at least one with the Spurs. He was an absolute stunner of a hire when Greg Marshall from Wichita State turned Alabama down. I was turned off to Bama hoops for like two days. And then all of a sudden, Bill Battle comes forth and says, we got Avery Johnson, somebody that used to play point guard with Tim Duncan, Patrick. Please forgive me. So I was like, all right, cool. Anyway, so what happened today was... Two five-star players, the number seven overall player in Colin Sexton and the number 30, 28 in that range, shooting guard and John Petty, both committed to Alabama, and they chose – Sexton chose Alabama over Kansas. Petty chose Alabama over Kentucky. Those are wins that Alabama has not gotten essentially since – what was it, 2003 when they had – when it was 
when they had that good Ronald, class. Ronald Steele. The Ronald Steele class. Well, no, Ronald Steele wasn't in that class. Ronald Steele was on that team. It was there was a season in the early two thousands where they had a pretty good class. That would have been Ronald Steele's class. I think was two thousand one or two thousand two. Well, these two commitments, along with the four star they have, Alex Reese, they have a Herb Jones and got some guy named Smith. They have five commitments, and this pushes their class up to the number three class in the nation, past Auburn, who was at five. Now they're at six. Auburn's got a good class too. It is just it's so satisfying because Auburn had their five star and their Bruce Pearl guy, and they've been talking that wet. And now we got two five stars on the same day, leapfrogged them from like class number 28 to class number three because that's how basketball recruiting works because, you know, there's only five guys on the court at a time. Sure. So two five stars like that is a program-changing day. That is – and one of them, Sexton, is a one-and-done type talent. Right. Which you need – if you're going to be elite, you're going to make the playoff and you want to make elite eights, you want to make sweet 16s, you want to make final fours. You have to have one-and-done guys. He's that kind of talent, and that breathes energy into a program. That makes you a destin- What the, the biggest thing you can have in college recruiting is to be a destination school. Alabama clearly is a destination school in football. But in basketball, they're not. There's less destination schools. There's Kansas, there's Kentucky, there's Duke. It's just it's huge. It is huge for the momentum of the program, and it's it's exciting. And I love Avery Johnson. I love what he's doing for the program. He's working just as hard as Nick Saban, and it's paying off. And it's just good to see because Avery Johnson's a, an all-around just good guy and a good person to represent the program and the school. And I love it. I'm feeling good today. Good. I'm I'm also uh, going to go. The first game off... against Coastal Carolina is on Saturday, by the way. Uh, boo, Coastal. Uh... <laughs> They used to be in our conference. They're no longer. Our conference being High Point. High Point got three huge letters of intent. Huge. Justin Mutz, Caden Sanchez, both playing at the four or five guard position. And then you've got Denmark Slay the second. Listen to that name. Say that again. Denmark Slay the second out of Woodbridge, Virginia. A guard. You know when, the, when they say Mufasa to the hyenas and Lion King? Mufasa. That's what I feel like. That's what I feel like when you when you said that. Look, I'm I'm sorry. This high point basketball team, like this season, maybe not. This season, maybe not. They, they're looking pretty good through their scrimmages, and, and I've, I've been around some practices, and they're looking pretty strong. I'm just saying, the freshman and sophomore classes that they have right now, along with these three guys that high point is signed today. They're looking, looking pretty good for the Big South Conference Championship in a few years. If I can make a bold prediction. Very excited to be with this team. Very excited to be with this program. A program filled not only with good athletes, but nice athletes. Who are genuinely good people with a lot of really great feature stories. I mean, just, just a lot of great personal stories that are just stand-up people. And that's something that's very, very rare. So I want to brag on the entire High Point men's basketball program. I have not had a negative interaction with any of them, not with the coaching staff. If they called me right now and needed help with something, I would drive over there. So just very excited for High Point basketball. Very excited. For the first time in my life, I think I'm excited for college basketball. Uh, That's good. So college basketball is a great sport. High Point kicks it, it off. It really is. High Point tips off Saturday. I'm really excited. We got We got two volleyball games this weekend. We've got men's basketball opener and women's basketball opener. Really, really excited to start it off. Uh, and I think that'll do it for me. Are you, are you I good? Have a, I have a question for you, though. I have a question. Go ahead. And this might be stupid. This might be dumb. But is the Big South Conference, um, is that, does, do you get in the tournament? Can you? Yes. Does the winner automatically go or can or is it just you can't qualify? I believe you can qualify. I'm not sure if it's an automatic bid or not. Uh, well, that's our new thing. Got to get high point to the round of sixty-four. Sure, sure. I I know that. I'll even take. I know that teams have made it. It's not. It's not like a teams have never made it. Um, I know Winthrop made it a few years back, maybe even last year. I know UNC Astros yeah, made Winthrop's it. Winthrop's been there. Yeah, Winthrop is High Point's big rival. Huge. Coastal Carolina. I feel like that's the team that Coastal I've heard Coastal did, but Coastal also left the conference after last year because their baseball team won the championship and they decided they were better than everyone else. <laughs> um, I mean. They're the Chanticleers. Is that not the most stuck-up nickname, the most stuck-up mascot you've ever heard? It's pretty bad. Pretty bad. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, 
like I said, it's the first time in my life I'm excited for college basketball. I'm excited to see what it brings. Um, it really basketball is. If you don't like the NBA for for you know various um, obvious reasons, reasons and and and, and egos and stuff like that, uh, college basket. If you like basketball but can't stand the NBA for reasons like that, college basketball is a great outlet to get your basketball fixed because. I do think that they should. The, the the one thing dragging it down is the forced one and done rule. So you you do see a little bit of the passion of the game. I I loved it when you could just go straight to the NBA from high school because then the players that were in college wanted to be there. Right. The one and done rule has brought it down a little bit at the top, but for the most part, it's players that want to be there. They know they don't have an NBA future, and they're there because they love basketball. When you see guys playing. It's always good to see someone play a sport they love, but basketball, you can just you can just see it that this is something they have I mean this is the way they got, you know. They're it's just amazing. It was fun. I'm glad we had two positive sound offs today. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. Hey, listen, if you want to get more Pat's interference, you can go to our Facebook page at PAT apostrophe S interference. Uh, you can go to our Twitter at PI underscore podcast you can go to our website at patsinterference.com it looks great because brick's done a lot of facelifting on it uh thank you so much for listening we couldn't appreciate you more uh, we're also on itunes we're on google play we're on stitcher we're on amazon uh brick did you know just just hear me out did you know uh that if if you take out a ouija board and, and you play a ouija board on a, on a certain on a certain eve when it's about midnight, one o'clock in the morning, you get a nice, crisp fall evening. You just put your hands on that little triangle. It will just, it will start to move. P, A, T, apostrophe, S, interference, and then a little. <laughs> what it does, what it does is it spells out. It spells out every just, word. Just we said uh, the an entire transcript. The and script, listen, it's it's not transcript. an efficient process, but brick. I'm damn proud we've got those spirits on our side, my friend. Yeah, it took a lot. It took a lot it, of it uh, did. It's, it took it's a lot of sacrifice. A lot of, a lot of golf sides. outings with those guys to get them to sponsor us. But you know what? We and got they it. play so slow. We got they, it. They, they really do. It takes do. them like seven hours to play around eight. Listen, if you're putting for double bogey, you better not mark that damn ball. We got shit Just to do. We got up. two groups behind Just us. Just pick it up. Keep putting, man. Just put it out. Hey, listen, seriously, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Brick and I have always wanted to do this. Uh, we have a great time with it every week. Even though we're a little inconsistent with a number of episodes, we appreciate you listening when we do an episode. And we want to make our episodes good. We're not going to put out two crap episodes if we can make one really good one. And I feel like that's what we've done tonight. And I refuse to apologize for it. So we hope you've enjoyed listening to it. We've enjoyed making it. Everyone be safe. Everyone have a good weekend. And most of all, Brick, roll time.